I'm Alex Wong, and the Wong Takes start now. It's Tuesday. We're back on Tuesday. Very good to be back on Tuesday. Ooh, that was uh, my bad. Kick something there. Uh, interesting week in the world of sports. A couple of big stories came out, and I apologize because I've been, unfortunately, not been able to do too much prep this week. So a couple of these topics, specifically topics one and four, if you keep score at home, are going to be a little bit kind of just uh, without any prep, just like kind of just going off what I hear. And although this might have happened a little while ago, I'm sorry, I haven't really had time to uh, do that stuff. So those are going to sound maybe a little bit more raw than uh, what we usually get on this show. So that's that's good. It's it's an interesting experiment. I'm actually curious to see what's going to happen. But why don't we get started with the first topic? Uh, the Michigan State scandal that erupted, uh, I don't know when it was, uh, a few days ago, uh, outside the lines on ESPN, very good investigative journalism program, uh, released a report about, or a little feature about Michigan State University and their sexual assault uh, policy and allegations and some events that have happened with the program. Uh, a lot of this stuff came to the forefront because Larry Nasser, the infamous uh, doctor who molested so many girls that we had a quick take on, if, I think it was last week uh, or two weeks ago, um, he, had, he was a doctor at Michigan State University who had previously been released in 2016, uh, but there were other Michigan State people that were associated with him that went in the downfall along with him because, of course, he did a horrible thing. And he worked at Michigan State, and if people in Michigan State knew about what was going on and didn't tell anyone, they should be gone too, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this new report, uh, according to Outside the Lines uh, via ESPN, uh, there, there are a bunch of reports that are coming out with even more event people and high-profile athletes and just systemic ignorance of domestic violence throughout the entire university. Uh, we see high um, athletes that played very well for Michigan State such as uh, Keith Appling, a former Michigan State guard, and Adrian Payne, who is a former Michigan State forward that actually got released in light of these allegations. Uh, these guys were um, not convicted, but listed in sexual assault. But I think the bigger problem with this whole case and everything that has come out of this case uh, is going to end up being what Michigan State, the extent Michigan State has gone to suppress what has gone on at their university and just how horrible that is and the fact that these cases still exist in today's America, in today's collegiate environment. Uh, colleges are willing to look over what's going on in their environment or in their school uh, just to keep the money flowing, to keep the scholarships flowing, to keep the students flowing in, to maintain their reputation uh, as a university. Uh, another thing about MSU before I deep dive into a little bit of this is uh, they're a public university and I mean that makes it all the more worse that they were going to cover up what's going on at a public university that should have transparency that serves so many students. Uh, it's not like this was a tiny college where it's just a little bit messed up. MSU is a major university in the, in the state of Michigan and this is a big issue to be happening there. Uh, a couple of specific things from the OTL report that particularly struck me, uh, just MSU's sheer, uh, not perseverance, but like will in trying to keep these, these things out of the public sphere. Uh, according to ESPN, 
Michigan State fought three times in court. ESPN sued Michigan State, and Michigan State fought them a couple of times in court to not have to release police records that showed what happened to these women and what these athletes did to these women. Um, and I saw some of the reports that where once they were released, they had crossed out so much stuff that you could barely tell. It was just like, the, and then five blanked out words, and then and, and then five more blanked out words, and then athlete. It, it's not, it's just a level of of just horrible that you don't expect to see in this type of sexual violence case, where these are serious issues. These are serious people uh, getting hurt and then uh, falling into cycle depression, and it's just a horrible event that you can't, you can't redact that. You don't want to redact that. That's even worse than just letting the information out there. At least you're being transparent. Um, another thing that particularly struck me is that we see uh, domestic violence nowadays is something like uh, you hear all this stuff about like victim uh, blaming and all all those things. But and you, we say, oh yeah, if 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 a victim was actually if a person was actually a victim of sexual violence, like, of course we would, we would help them, we would support them throughout. But uh, one particular little vignette in the, in the story struck me was this woman who had been sexually, uh, uh, raped pretty much went to a, a, uh, a person to talk to about what had happened to report what had happened. And a woman, no less too, it wasn't some guy who was like also doing the same thing. It was a woman and the woman basically uh, beat her, or not beat her, but verbally was like, okay, you're going to have to be much tougher than you are right now if you want to stand up to a court. And if you, if, if you can't handle me, uh, you're not going to be able to beat these famous athletes in court. Like, these are famous athletes you're accusing of doing something poor to you here. And that's not the support that you want to see by any – that's not how you should handle these cases. You should handle these cases by being as supportive as possible because these are, can, can be traumatic experiences for people that can affect them for the rest of their lives. You, you have to be as supportive as you can and understanding as you can. And when you – if you're not helping the problem, you are the problem. You are – especially in a case like this where if you're not trying to bring these cases to the limelight, you are hurting the problem by holding these cases back. Um, and this is an issue that's uh, not going to go away. Uh, domestic violence is still a huge thing. It still happens all the time in this country. And with these with these schools that have their priorities so mixed up, especially with intercollegiate athletics, where you want to protect your gigantic source of revenue, especially a gigantic basketball program like MSU uh, and and football as well. Actually, they're they're pretty good in football too. It, what if you're the school administrator what are you going to do do you have to tell the truth and it doesn't it doesn't matter like what what your school's reputation is going to take a hit because this is 10 times worse that will what, what would have happened if we had an isolated incident because let's be honest if it was an isolated incident or if it was maybe two or three isolated incidents we probably would just would have said okay and been done with it in a week uh i know that's not what we want to think but that's that's typically what happens with news cycles but this type of uh this level is going to cause coaching changes it's going to cause um head head changes uh it's going to cause administration changes that you wouldn't have gotten if these had just been told so it's good investigative journalism it's good to see investigative journalism doing good work again after all the fake or, or we're still going on all the fake news and and uh lack of trust in the press but these are the type of stories that this type of long form investigation and effort and and ethical 
journalism can bring to America. This is the kind of truth it can expose. And that's all I have to say about that. Next topic that was going to actually be our lead-in for today before the Michigan State scandal popped up. Um, and I did actually write a little bit for uh, the XFL, uh, the the new F- XFL. Uh, on Thursday, WWE Chairman Vince McMahon said that the XFL, an old football league, will be returning for the 2020 season. Now, if some of you youngins out there don't remember the old XFL, uh, the it played one season. It was a football league. It had this. Uh, the game was more or less the same as the NFL. It played one season in 2001 before the league folded, and it was pretty infamous and also well-known for their gimmicks, uh, like the cheerleaders that were in very, very scantily clad. Um, the rule originally at the beginning, there, there would be no fair catches. Say this is like a man's game. Of course, this is before all concussion testing and stuff like that. And their emphasis on just generally controversial entertainment. The old XFL, the ratings were high at first, but they quickly tanked because uh, people lost interest. And there's actually a documentary, which is how I learned most of the things I know about the league, uh, came out not long ago. I think it was last year, in 2017. Highly recommended. It was called uh, This Was the XFL by ESPN, and it's especially more relevant now. Uh, this new league, uh, McMahon is pursuing an interesting strategy with the XFL. He's trying to, I can tell that in his press release about it, he's trying to hit all of those major complaints about the NFL, and that's going to help him draw a large audience. There are a lot of people, uh, particularly in regions where, um, I don't know, it's less diverse. Uh, people were upset with NFL players kneeling, and McMahon said about that, we want someone who takes a knee to do their version of that on their personal time. Uh, I don't know if that's the most progressive stance or helpful to the discussion that kneeling brings, but it's going to help him draw an audience, and McMahon is a showman above, or a businessman above pretty much all else. Uh, he and his wife also have ties with President Trump, and McMahon has a similar style of just uh, his bravado and his just bluntness stand in in sharp contrast to what many people see as a politicization of the NFL, uh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but a lot of people don't like it, and that's going to draw them to the XFL initially. And also the NFL being played with domestic violence issues, which bring a lot of bad press. You can tell McMahon's trying to avoid that by saying if you have any sort of criminal record or committed crime, you aren't playing in this league, which kind of hurts the whole American thing of second chances. But nonetheless, that's going to draw a large, probably predominantly white audience that is going to be tuning into these games initially and once it starts in 2020. Uh, I think this league can be successful, partly because of the amount of people that it's probably going to draw initially just because some of the NFL has hit some bad streaks. Um, and this league is going to be have to have to definitely be different from the old XFL if it does come back and when it does come back. Because in order to sustain as a league, you need uh, you need a model for sustainability. And the old XFL really, you could tell, even if it had a good initial returns, it wasn't built to stay. Because they're fa- they, they relied on a lot of fads uh, that weren't necessarily family-friendly and weren't going to draw this humongous crowds like the NFL does. Like the cheerleaders, like they won't have cheerleaders in this new league. They won't have any of the antics uh, that this old league had, according to McMahon. And you have more lasting power when you can create an image that is not as controversial. But 
Uh, McMahon said that this is league, which I think is an erroneous statement right now. He said it won't be an NFL development league. But there's really, realistically, there's no way for this not to become an NFL development league, not like a better, more popular CFL. Because at the end of the day, players come to the league for money. And until the pay in the XFL becomes similar to that of the NFL, it's hard to see it becoming anything but an NFL development league. Because in the NFL, what? The stakes are higher. Uh, the league is more established. You can play for better, more established teams. The brand names are all there. Uh, unless you can bring some teams over. And you get paid more. So, And you have probably a stronger union and all of that stuff. So there's no real reason for players to stay in the XFL right now. Uh, and... Also, another thing for the XFL, if they want to be successful, I would highly suggest them doing their games during the NFL offseason because you can only be... The NFL is such a behemoth at this point in time that there's really no way for the XFL to compete directly against it. I know Vince McMahon is not a person to like back down from a challenge, but the XFL is not going to be able to compete with the NFL right away. Um, just show me people who remember the old XFL and all the gimmicks that came with it and are not going to want to dignify it with a view. Meanwhile, the NFL has like established its place in American households and is just like a part of Sundays that everyone knows and many people love. But knowing McMahon, he's probably going to want to put it on Sundays eventually. And if the XFL shows enough staying power and builds a big enough audience, it will be really interesting to see if they move to Sundays because that could be a humongous fight. Uh, between two, potentially the two biggest football leagues in the world. And I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL were to like absorb the XFL or something because it would be virtually impossible for two separate leagues to exist on the same day. There's just so many ratings hits that both of them would take that I wouldn't be a viable business move for both of them. I know McMahon knows he, can pro- he thinks he can probably take over the NFL at some point. So that would be, that would be a really interesting thing to see. Uh, I think a successful XFL would be good for football as a whole, too, even if it's not on competing on a Sunday. Because a competitor with the NFL has always increased the quality of the on-field product. Uh, like with the old AFL brought, once they merged, brought whole new teams, brought new styles, etc. And even with the old XFL, we saw a lot of the things that were in the old XFL bring, brought over to the NFL that many people take for granted nowadays and really appreciate, like Skycam. The NFL is tinkering with having whole games in Skycam. Just that's how popular it was, and it started with the XFL. Uh, Mics on players in-game. I don't think the NFL would have thought of doing that uh, 15 years ago, but the XFL brought it up, and now it's there. And also putting teams in big markets, like Las Vegas and Los Angeles. They don't really have teams. Now the NFL time didn't have any teams there. Now we've got the Rams and the Chargers in L.A., and we're getting the Raiders in Las Vegas in a few years. Uh, so the XFL has a history of starting trends, and I don't think that's the worst thing to develop the sport of football, uh, if, especially if they can do something in terms of player safety. Because the NFL has kind of hit like a rough patch right now. Not much in their league is changing, bringing in younger fans, uh, and they could use a competitor. And also, no matter what happens, uh, this is just good for everyone, because viewers are going to benefit. You're going to see a better quality of football, no matter what, well, depending on what league you watch, but... As a whole, football will be a better sport to watch due to the XFL. I'm sure of that. 2020 really can't come fast enough. The one thing I do worry about for the XFL is that is interesting is they're going to have trouble getting television deals because the last XFL was launched as a partnership with NBC, who didn't have it, who just lost their football at the time. 
uh, got Sunday Night Football a few years later and made it into a humongous franchise. But the XFL and NBC flopped and was canceled after one year. Uh, the combination of sports and network television has always been a weird one, and the XFL is going to have to work with the co- with work with whoever whatever channel they're on uh, to to make it work. And companies might be more reluctant because of this failure to work with McMahon and get him on their network. And also, the XFL brand I think uh, ruined itself in a lot of people's minds thanks to the old XFL. And it's going to be interesting to see how they can find. Uh, people to host them. So, going to be a fun league. I'm looking forward to it. We'll see what happens. Third topic is the upcoming All Star game, uh, because the All Star draft happened Thursday. Uh, there was a, there's a new format there now. If you haven't seen it, uh, you have the two top voters being captains, picking starters, picking reserves. Uh, Steph and LeBron were the captains this year, and they picked their starting lineups. LeBron, KD, DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, and Steph, Giannis, Joel Embiid, and DeMar DeRozan, James Harden. I think there might have been an injury from that. Oh, well, uh, that's unfortunate. But either way, um, not going to focus too much on the game itself, but just uh, I like this new format for the NBA All-Star Game. I think it creates more storylines and it creates more intrigue when you can pit players that don't normally go against each other. Like, it's hard to develop the... The struggle that you have with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant last year, but you can come pretty close with some of these interesting storylines that are going to come up, which of course we love in the NBA. Um, I like this whole like possibility of getting a teammate versus teammate thing as well. Uh, the, if you remember, the NFL tried this style a few years ago with, I think it was Michael Irvin and someone else picking players, but it, and that format didn't really work. They ended up switching back to AFC versus NFC, uh, including this year, which wasn't a horrible game, but... I think this format could work better for the NBA just because the NBA in general has more of a focus on individual players and individual storylines as opposed to the team. So you get to see you, – people know more of what's going to happen with these players and what the relationships are between these players and some of the more petty stuff. And so I think this, could, this format could be fun for the NBA. Also, uh, I think not televising the All-Star Draft is a humongous missed opportunity for the league because – some of these, some of these storylines you can see play out in real time with like, why did you pick so and so first? Because they haven't released that stuff, or not publicly at least. And it'd be really cool if you could have all this coverage uh, for this draft because this is going to be another huge money maker for the NBA, and everything would be amplified in this All Star draft because I think the NBA is like one of the pettiest leagues in America, and so you could see some of these fights happen out, and I think it'd be really fun to see. But eh, whatever, maybe next year. Now, the biggest problem with the game itself um, over the last few years has been the lack of defense. The most recent All-Star game ended 192-182, tons of records set and all that jazz. Uh, And I don't really think there's going to be a way to motivate players to play defense in this game. I mean, players don't want to risk injuring themselves for an exhibition game that doesn't mean anything. And the NBA has tried giving them money in the past, but I really don't think any amount of money you give players is going to entice them to try on the defensive end. It's just too much work and too much risk of an injury. Uh, 82 game series or 82 game regular season and the super long playoffs, which I think are too long, is already enough. But I think the new format might help in a few select cases with teammates trying to stop each other. But at the end of the day, it's going to be up to the players to play. And it, it not, I don't really think any major change is going to entice them to try more. Um, 
I think a more radical solution to this problem, though, if the NBA was really feeling this route, is you could kind of embrace the madness. Like, this is an exhibition game. It doesn't mean anything. Might as well have some fun. Uh, I think it would be fun to see if you made the first three quarters of the game have no shot clock and kind of just allow the players to play super loose. Because the players at the end of the day, they don't care who wins. They just want to put on a show. And if you let them put on a show, uh, like, I don't know, having no defense or, or no shot clock, like I said, or something like else, it would be fun to see what would happen. And you could have another thing to run with and say, look, this game is different. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's just an exhibition game. And it's we shouldn't spend too much time agonizing over what's bad about it. It's always good, even when it's just everyone taking a bunch of threes and dunking a bunch of times. It's amazing to see the amount of sheer talent that's in the NBA nowadays. And that might be why it seems to be having more and more offense. And in my opinion, it's almost getting better. Now we have some shout-outs. So let's get into it. First, shout-out to Tripper Jones, Jim Tomey, Vlad Guerrero, and Trevor Hoffman, the new Hall of Fame inductees in baseball. And you got some... Almost goats in there, like Trevor Hoffman, who is, I think, second in saves all time. Uh, Jim Tomey, who, of course, uh, hit, um, might have been over 600 home runs. An incredible power hitter. Chipper Jones, one of the best first basemen of all time. Long career, illustrious career, and that's why they're in the Hall of Fame. Shout out to the AFC for winning the Pro Bowl. Uh, no one really watches this game anymore, but I heard this one was fun. I don't know. Uh, uh, once again, I think like the NBA, you could introduce some rule changes to maybe make this game better. Uh, like 11 versus 9. I don't know. Something like that. But change it up. Have fun with it. It's an exhibition game. It doesn't count. Shout out to David Beckham. Uh, got, he got the footballer, got an MLS franchise in Miami. I think... Expansion for the MLS is should be a cautious endeavor. I think too much expansion could be potentially dangerous for the league. Because um, just because if you're in expansion now, what happens when fans waver? Uh, I talked a little bit about this in episode 15. What are we doing? Uh, and that was an interesting thing to talk about. But guys like Lionel Messi have already congratulated him on the new franchise and are saying, hey, look, maybe uh, you give me a call in a few years. So if you can get big superstars, David Beckham, humongous name, Miami, fun city. Who knows? Uh, finally, shout out to, huge shout out to the Cleveland Indians who will stop using the Chief Wahoo logo, the racist caricature that appears on their hats and jerseys. Uh, I forgot if it's this year or not. But good on them. Uh, we should try to remove these symbols, even if they represent our heritage. Cough, cough, Redskins. Uh, because they're offensive. And you don't want, you wouldn't want the N-word on a team name, wouldn't you? And they're, the Indians are officially now less racist. Good job. Uh, now, let's go to the quick take. And of course it's this. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Blake Griffin, who got traded from the Clippers to the Pistons in a blockbuster deal. This is actually the first time I think I'm seeing this full trade, even though it happened yesterday. Uh, the Clippers have traded Blake Griffin to the Detroit Pistons in, in exchange for Tobias Harris, Avery Bradley, Boban Marjanovic, Boban, and a first and second round draft pick. That's a lot of stuff 
Uh, the Clippers are also sending over to Detroit Willie Reed and Bryce Johnson. Um, hmm. I don't know what to think of this. Uh, Blake Griffin is a big star, of course, and a humongous talent going over to Detroit. On the Detroit side, um, I, I like this move. You're turning Boban into Blake Griffin. Of course, you have to give up a lot, but now you have Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. I mean, sorry, not DeAndre Jordan. Um, Andre Drummond, two stars in this league, paired together down low. And this will be an interesting contrast to see uh, moving ahead because Blake Griffin is, seems more of like a finesse guy. He can shoot the ball. And Andre Drummond is kind of your down low, low post, back him down type of player. And I think those two could work well in tandem. Um, and Detroit, uh, I don't know where they are right now, actually. Let me take a look. But Detroit's going to be in the playoff hunt uh, ahead. Currently, they are in ninth place. They are two and a half games behind the 76ers for the eighth seed. And they're, they're going to be a fun team. Uh, just this big man basketball that they're going to look to embrace like the bad boys of old. Uh, it's, and with the new arena that they have in downtown Detroit, building an identity a little bit, something they haven't really had in the past or in these last few years. And they can return to that old uh, bully ball. And it'd be fun to see the contrast between them and a team like the Cavs or... Now, uh, let's say the Celtics, who are more running and gunning. Meanwhile, the Clippers. The Clippers are always an interesting case study. Uh, just a few years ago, it looked like they would be competing with the Warriors for one of the top spots in the West, and now they have traded away Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. Uh, DeAndre Jordan is still there, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets traded as well. Uh, this is virtually a, a mediocre team that is just going to get more and more mediocre. Now your star power is all in DeAndre Jordan, and he can't shoot free throws and or threes, and he's just going to be down low. So if you're the Clippers, where do you go from here? Uh, you're getting some good defensive players in Avery Bradley. You're getting a, a big guy in Boban. And your first, your first and second round pick, you can turn into something good. But that's not going to win you a championship in today's game. You need multiple superstars if they had kept Chris Paul and Blake Griffin uh, even then, they weren't able to compete with some of the top teams in the West. They needed another star. So what are you going to do now? Uh, you're looks like you're trying to tank, but at the same time, you got a bunch of pieces back for this. These are talented players, and you only got two picks. So are you going to try to turn this into even more picks, make a blockbuster, another blockbuster trade to get away DeAndre Jordan and get even more picks? Uh, the Clippers look like they're on their way to tanking, but they're not very good at it because now they have a bunch of mediocre guys even even a guy like Jamal Crawford who's six man of the year he's gone too so I don't know exactly what the Clippers are doing but good luck uh to Blake Griffin in Detroit and this will be an interesting experiment thank you so much for listening to the long takes on a wonderful Tuesday don't forget to do all the things send questions to the podcast via Emailing thewongtakes at gmail.com. Uh, you can send pay, uh, questions on the Patreon feed on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash thewongtakes. You can also send an email through our website, bit.ly slash thewongtakes. Very easy URL to remember. I particularly enjoy that. And that will send me emails via that website. There's a form at the bottom of the page that will send an email, and you can put a question there. You can put a comment. You can put a concern. You can put anything. 
Um, but thank you for listening. Rate the podcast. Uh, subscribe. iTunes and Google Play. Uh, I Tell me, someone tell me if Google Play is working. I'm not 100% sure if it works or not. But that'd be nice to know. Uh, anyway, thanks so much for listening. And I will see you probably next week.